Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. I want to speak to you for a few moments on the turning point and water baptism, jumping in the water. And we're reading from Matthew 3. And let's read from verses 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now if you look at this passage of scripture, it's not like this was happening all the time. This was actually a significant event. And we've got some of the young people who who are getting baptized for the first time here today and moving forward. This is a significant event. Now, all the people were getting baptized and going out into the wilderness and getting baptized. And they were confessing their sins. So something significant was happening. Number one, they weren't confessing their sins before. And they weren't convicted before. But suddenly, they felt because John the Baptist was anointed to turn the hearts of people. And the Greek word there is epistrepho, which means turning. And so here's John the Baptist in the wilderness. Now it's very difficult to turn people to the Lord in the wilderness. Think of London. Think of the gang crime. Think of Grenfell. People are mourning. Some people say, don't go down to Grenfell because people are mourning. Just go down there to comfort them. uh, And that's what our ministry will be. Well, God's called us to comfort people, hasn't he? And to be there on site. But he's also called us to tell people to repent and to turn to God. So it's both things that are taking place. We need to call London to turn to God. Amen. And here's John the Baptist in the wilderness, in a difficult place, calling people to repentance, and they're confessing their sins. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and the region around the Jordan went out and were baptized by him, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That was quite an insult to the religious people. Brood of vipers actually means a family of snakes. He's called them snakes. And he's called the Pharisees, or the religious order, the religious group, he's called them a bunch of snakes. I don't know if you ever wanted to be called a snake. It's not really an endearment or an encouragement. Especially these people who were puffed up and quite religious, and they had their badges of religion. Now, we all know that religion can't save you. So it's my prayer today that just because you're from a Christian family, it doesn't mean that you're saved. I was from a Christian family. At age eight, I was baptized in a tank like this. I was saved in a Billy Graham crusade, and shortly after in a Baptist church in a small town called Furry Hill, I was baptized with a friend of mine called Richie, and we grew up together. We dedicated our lives together, and we were baptized together. And here, you know, the religious order couldn't save you. That's what John the Baptist was saying. It's time for change. It's time for change. That's what John the Baptist was calling people to repent, saying religion or Pharisaicalism is not going to save you. And he called them a brood of vipers and he challenged them, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Repentance means to change direction, not just to say sorry for your sins. And maybe some of us will say sorry. I used to pray every night, Father, forgive my sins. And the reason I prayed that prayer was simple. I didn't want to go to hell. I was taught that if you didn't ask Jesus to forgive your sins, every night you would go to hell. If you weren't going to church on a regular basis, you were going to hell. If you disobeyed one of the Ten Commandments, you were going to hell. And so I would pray that in fear. But how many people know today, not a prayer won't save you, only Jesus can save you. Only receiving Jesus into your life. And John the Baptist, his ministry was simply to bring and to magnify 
Christ. He said in the book of John, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. It's my prayer for you guys today that Christ will increase in your life today, amen? That Christ will come in your heart. And he says, we have, don't say we have Abraham as our father, but I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now let's just pause for a moment. There's two experiences to have in the Christian faith. One is baptism in water. Now it's not just going into the swimming pool. It's not just going for a, for a bath. We all get a shower, hopefully. Amen. Hallelujah. We all go for a bath and a shower and we get freshened up. So it's not just to go and get freshened up. There's something significant happen. And two things. One, you say sorry to Jesus for your sins. You repent and you change direction. And two, you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. The baptism that we're talking about is a public declaration. Something significant happens when you publicly declare that Jesus is Lord. And secondly, he says that Jesus will bring a baptism of fire. A baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. When I got baptized in water at age eight, I was baptized in water and I confessed Christ in a Billy Graham crusade, but it wasn't until I was 16 years old that I experienced what we would call the fire of God. And it happened in a youth meeting in, in Norwich, and we had youth camp, and we had worship team meetings and devotions in the morning. And then in the evening, they have preaching services at the local church. And one guy was preaching on David, how David was called by God to make a difference. And he said, I believe that God's called you. I believe that God's calling all the young people around here. And if you sense that God's calling you, then come to the front. And I remember just coming to the front. Nobody asked me to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. No one asked me to do that. But I felt that I should say that. And I knelt down at the floor here. We're not in KT, but in that church. And I just said, God, I need to forgive me. And tears were streaming down my face. When I got up, I lifted my hands to God and I started to worship and then something happened to me. The fire of God touched my head and struck down all my body. And I was literally crying and shaking at the same time. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I felt fire that day. I felt fire so long for a whole hour. I was stood at the front experiencing God. And then suddenly the caretaker was switching the lights off because I'd been there so long. I'd experienced God. I got on the coach and we were going back to the camp and the lady next to me said, what's wrong with you? And I remember just being shaken and trembling. I said, I don't know. I was drenched with sweat. I was in tears and I'd experienced God. Now, not only to that moment, I'd experienced religion, which I would say church attendance. Church attendance, going through the motion. Now, something significant is happening today for you guys at the front. You have made a decision to move forward with God. Baptism is moving forward with God. It is jumping into the water. It is a significant step. And then he says here, his winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chap with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it now to be so, but this it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. 
Then he allowed him. So here, John the Baptist is trying to prevent Jesus from being baptized by him. He's saying, hey, no, you should be baptizing me. He's trying to prevent him. But some of us, we try to prevent God's will from happening in our lives. There's many other people who have come into our lives who try to prevent God's will. But Jesus says, no, it's okay. Permit it to be so now because it's to fulfill all righteousness. Now, baptism is a step of obedience. We are righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. We're not righteous by religious works or church attendance or acting holy in the worship service. We're righteous simply by receiving Christ into our lives. And Jesus said it's the right thing to do. I would say it's fulfilling destiny. Jesus was going through this process of fulfilling destiny. And I believe in order to be a Christian, the Bible's quite clear, it's repent and be baptized. So to fulfill your destiny as a Christian, you need to step forward, make that step to jump into the water because something significant is going to happen for you. You take your step forward in baptism. You take your step forward in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you take your step forward in joining the church, the family of God. There's significant steps that take place. And this was a significant step for Jesus. It was Jesus' ministry is about to be birthed. Until this point, Jesus was not in ministry. He was seen as a boy in the temple studying. And until this point, we never saw him as a teenager or, as a, or a young adult. We, here he is at 30 being baptized, and he's now just about to start his ministry. But he says, before I start my ministry, before I start preaching my first message, I need to be baptized. To be baptized. And here we read, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, a lightning upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Three things happened there when Jesus was baptized. One, the heavens were open. The heavens were open. So were the heavens closed before? Was the door shut before? Uh, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been locked out your house and there's people in, you're banging on the door trying to get in. And you know how maybe angry you feel if someone doesn't open the door. Here, the heavens seem shut. In fact, for 400 years, the heavens were shut. Nothing like this had ever taken place. It was a turning point in the Jewish history where John the Baptist, who was Elijah, came on the scene calling people to repent. And then Jesus, the Messiah, although they didn't realize Jesus was the Messiah at that point, he was being baptized. The heavens were open and the Spirit of God descended like a dove upon him, a lightning upon him. Something was different. Something was different in the atmosphere. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Well, this is the three things that happen when you get baptized. Heaven opens over your life. That means you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's nothing blocking your relationship with God because you've received Christ as Lord. Secondly, you have access to the Holy Spirit, who is your friend. He's the comforter. I don't know if anybody's read the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. Anybody read the book, Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn? It's actually quite famous in the 90s. And the principle was that each of us can treat the Holy Spirit as our friend. He's our friend. He helps us in our relationship with God. And so as a child of 15 and 16, trying to learn the things of God, I remember talking to the Holy Spirit on the bus and saying, good morning, Holy Spirit. Anybody done that? Good morning, Holy Spirit. And at first you don't really know what you're doing because you're trying to learn who the Holy Spirit is. But then you're quite surprised that he speaks back to you. And suddenly he says, well, why don't you speak to the person next to you about Jesus? And you're like, oh, oh. Maybe that's just me. 
So I don't do it the first time, and I get on the bus the next day, and then I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, and I start talking to the Holy Spirit, and he says, well, why don't you witness to that other person? And I'm like, well, this keeps happening to me. And suddenly you begin to realize that God starts speaking to you and you share the gospel with people and you start to break out of your comfort zone because something significant is happening when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Now this is the next step. It says when Jesus was baptized, he was drove into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to say that you at the front are going to be driven into the wilderness. So you're going to move house or move home. You know, but it happened to Jesus, how he was tested. But I want to make the principle here today is that when you get baptized and you're obedient to God, suddenly the Holy Spirit starts to direct the course of your life. Amen. That he directs the course of your life. And then suddenly the heavens are open. That means miracles can take place. Supernatural things can take place in your life where maybe they didn't take place before. I remember God calling me when I was a child and my mother had received a word that one of her children was going to be used by God. Well, I'm a football addict. It wasn't going to be me. As soon as I heard that word, I thought, that's not going to be me. I'm going to be a football player. I rebuked that in Jesus' name. And then... And then basically my, my younger brother was praying for people in the Assemblies of God Church where we were attending and he prayed for somebody and their back was healed. And I thought, great, it's him. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be him. But I knew that when my mother spoke those words, an irritating thought came to me right throughout my life. It's going to be you. You're not going to be a footballer. No, I am going to be a footballer. And there was this wrestling taking place. It was the call of God. It's the call of the Holy Spirit. Now, God wants to use you. He has a purpose for your life. And Jesus was saying when he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill God's purpose of your life includes one word, obedience. Amen? Obedience is not an easy word, is it? How many people feel like obedient every day? In fact, I don't think I ever feel obedient. It's a process that God needs to suddenly break inside of you. But Jesus was determined to fulfill all righteousness He needs to become obedient to the call of God. And in Acts chapter 8, you see Philip, and in verse 26, we read here. Now, this is the baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day who had a crusade in Ethiopia where many people were accepting Jesus. I remember how water is significant for life. I remember when we were in Mali, and we had a village that we promised that we were going to dig a well. And for a long time, they were waiting for this well to happen. And then we finally went over there, spent the money, dug the well, and the joy on their face that this village could access water. Water is significant of life. Without water, you can't have life. How many days can you last without water? How many days, if we just basically closed the door of KT right now, trapped you in here, in this heat, how long could you last without water? Some of you couldn't last an hour. Some of you couldn't last two, two hours because you think, my God, I need to get out of here, I need a drink. So water is significant. Baptism is significant of life. Obeying God is significant of life. And when those Mali people had received that well, they were joyous because they received the water of life. And here, you read in verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go towards the south along the road which goes down to Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert. Now God calls him into the desert. No one wants to go into the desert, but God had a significant plan for his life. And so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all the treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. 
And then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now for you guys who are getting baptized, I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you at your school, amen? That the Holy Spirit is going to start to visit you. Because to be born again, to be a Christian, is to, be, to have a supernatural experience. I'm not saying you fall down and you feel the fire of God initially, but it's a supernatural experience. You who is a Christian today, how did you become a Christian? How did you become a Christian? By saying a prayer? By confessing your sins? By doing some liturgy? That's what we teach people. But how did you change your heart? It was by the Holy Spirit that you were born again. And it happened when you said, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've let God down. And I'm turning away from sin. And even in that liturgy and in that process, you couldn't save yourself. It was the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus that transformed you from the inside out. It's a supernatural new birth. And here he's sitting in his chariot and he's just reading and he's got no one to share with him the gospel. How many people in London today are like that? They're going through a tough time. They're thinking about life and they simply need someone to explain what Christianity or what the gospel is all about. It's the spiritual agenda who puts Philip in the right place at the right time. Now, God puts John the Baptist and Jesus in the right place at the right time because Jesus, when he was born, Herod was going to kill all the babies. So God said, go to Egypt. For two years, Jesus was in Egypt. Now, think about this. If Jesus stayed in Egypt, he would have never been baptized by John because John was there near Nazareth in Galilee. And so they were neighbors when they were babies. In fact, they encountered each other when they were in the womb and John leaped in the womb. So there's some sort of supernatural relationship that John had with Jesus. In fact, John and Jesus, their destinies were merged together. And sometimes God has placed people in our life where our destinies are merged together. They're called divine relationships. And I remember when I was baptized with my mate Richie, we were baptized in the same tank. And when we were 16, at the back of the church, we dedicated our lives at the same day, at the same time, on that night. We couldn't have pre-planned that night. In fact, we were both backslidden, drinking heavily as teenagers, all at the same time, but we weren't hanging out together. And God was working on our case at the same time and putting us back together at the same time. Why does God do that? Because he has a destiny for our lives, amen? And sometimes our destinies are interconnected. The Spirit has a purpose. And God brought Jesus all the way from Egypt with Mary and Joseph and put them back in Nazareth of Galilee right next to John the Baptist. So at the right time, Jesus would be baptized in a significant place. Sometimes God brings us 360 degrees right around on a journey back to the same place because he has a purpose for our life. And maybe it is today, you're in church for the first time or you come a couple of times and you know that God's calling you back to himself and you've done some things, you've been out there in the world and you've committed sins that you're not proud of, but God's calling you back to himself in a 360 degree. And here, God's on this case of this Ethiopian eunuch. He's reading the Bible. He doesn't know what it means. So Philip ran to him and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I understand if someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scriptures which he was read, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearers is silent. He opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, whom does the prophet say this of himself or some other man? 
And then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. He didn't preach religion. He didn't preach four steps. He didn't preach the whole Bible. He preached Jesus to him. And then the man responded by saying, what hinders me from being baptized? Now, I don't know if that's your experience. You share the gospel with somebody and suddenly they say, what hinders me from being baptized? That's not my experience. Sometimes you get into a debate. Sometimes you get into an argument. It doesn't happen. So what it tells you from the Bible, it says that the Holy Spirit was working on this Ethiopian eunuch and he needed an available vessel to go and witness and share the gospel with him about forgiveness of sins and explain Isaiah 53. As he explains it, full of the Holy Spirit, the man is convicted of his sin. Now in Acts chapter 2, it says they were convicted. They were cut through the heart. And they said to Peter, what must we do to be saved? What must we do? Because they were convicted. We need to present the gospel to people where they are convicted of their sin. We're not trying to make it happen. We're not trying to force it down their throat. But as we present the scriptures and we teach people, we want to believe that the Holy Spirit will convict people of sin. I remember being in Leicester Square and I told this story before and we were on a Tuesday night in Leicester Square preaching the gospel and no one was really stopping. It was one of those times where probably as a Christian you're not really proud of as well, where you hear people preaching and people are walking past and nobody seems interested and then suddenly a man from America came past and stood there with his friend And he was about to leave and his friend had said, don't waste your time with these street preachers. It's all a load of rubbish. And he was about to take him away. At this point, one of the girls on our team pointed at him and said, I arrest you in the name of Jesus. As she said those words, something just hit that man. He ran forward. He knelt down and he started to weep like a baby. I didn't know what to do. I was praying that people would be saved. I was saying, God save people. And then this man is in front of me crying. He's saying, my wife's a Christian. She's been praying for me. I need Jesus. Can you pray with me right now to receive Jesus? I was like, suddenly I forgot how to do it. I didn't know how to do it anymore. I was just in shock. That for me is what the Holy Spirit can do. We're going through the motion. We're presenting Jesus, but we need the Holy Spirit to convict people of sin and bring them home into heaven. It's the Holy Spirit's agenda. And he explains the gospel. What hinders me from being baptized? What's hindering you today from moving forward with God? Now for you at the front, it's not baptism because you're taking that step forward, amen? But what's hindering you, the rest of us, what's hindering you? What's the one thing that's hindering you from moving forward with God? Is it a relationship? I remember I had a good friend of mine from secondary school. We were mates all the time. We got drunk together at 14, 15. And when I became a Christian, I was at his house. And one of my leaders was telling me, you need to break this relationship because this this lad, your friend, is not a good influence. He's going to get you in trouble. And he was because all he was interested in was coming to church for the ladies. That's all he was interested in. So for three years at church, he dated about five different women. That's all he was concerned about. And so one night he said to me, I dare you to drink this bottle of whiskey. Well, in, in the northeast and around where I, I'm from, someone dares you to do something, you just do it. And it was, I was just going through my Christian discipleship, and so quickly I just drank it. Well, three o'clock in the morning, I was around the toilet seat, as you can imagine, throwing up and thinking, what did I do that for? And I spoke to my leader the next day, 
Someone's disciple me and he said, you need to break this relationship because this relationship will not end up good. He'll lead you the wrong way. You'll not follow God's call for your life. So quickly, I decided in a night of prayer, that was it. He'll still be my friend. I'll still be in touch with him, but we're no longer hanging out because I needed to make a line in the sand. I needed to step forward as a Christian. And sometimes you need to do that. You need to put a line in the sand and say, hey, this is the day. I'm breaking up these relationships. I still love my family. I still love my community. I still love my friends. I still love people at work. But I just know they're not of any benefit to my Christian faith. They're not going to be any benefit to my Christian discipleship. So I've got to, they're going to hinder me from moving forward with God. And sometimes you've got to do that. There's other things in our lives. Gabriel mentioned them in the offering earlier. There's other things that are hindering us from moving forward with God. But you've got to be able to identify them and ask the Holy Spirit, what is hindering me? What was hindering this Ethiopian eunuch is that he didn't understand the Scriptures. He didn't understand who the prophet was talking about. And you might not understand, but you can ask somebody next to you. There's people around in church today who can answer your questions. And if that's what's blocking you, then you can come to know Christ by someone explaining it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Philip says to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. John the Baptist said these words. He said in John's Gospel, chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained upon him. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have testified that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist, who was baptizing, recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. And this same man, the result of the Holy Spirit working on this Ethiopian eunuch, he confessed, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now you can think about today, how much scripture did Philip need to explain to this man? Did he teach him the whole Bible? Was it complicated? How much could he have done in a wilderness, in a desert, on a hot day? How much could he have really explained to Philip? Maybe 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Was that hour sufficient to really make him a Christian? Was that hour sufficient? No, this was a supernatural thing that happened in the man's life because the man suddenly realized that Jesus was the Son of God. Many people out there, you try to persuade them and they won't believe. They want proof after proof after proof. And some people suddenly respond and say, I don't know what it is. What you're saying to me is true. I believe it. It's faith. It's something supernatural that works on your heart. It's the birthing of God. Just as Jesus was birthing his ministry by being baptized, in a sense, you at the front, you're being birthed into the Christian faith through baptism, through the new birth of repentance and belief in Christ. And it says, So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Now I want you to notice this word, caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotos, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, some people believe that 
Philip was translated by the Spirit to Azotos, but he was caught up by the Spirit. He was picked up by the Spirit. The Greek word there is hapazo, which means to be caught up. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he says, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. In that verse, he says, since the days of John the Baptist, since the days of John the Baptist, what, just before Jesus came, since the days of John the Baptist, kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. That word take it by force is the same Greek word, hapazo, which means to be caught up. If we're gonna take the kingdom to people, we need to be caught up with the Lord, amen? Just as Philip was caught up with the Lord, he was caught up to another realm by the Spirit of God and it was by the Spirit of God that this Ethiopian eunuch was even born again in the first place. So Christianity is a supernatural faith. It's not a religion. It's a supernatural faith. It cannot be accomplished by somebody persuading you to become a Christian. We know King Agrippa said, Paul, who presented the gospel to him, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Persuasion alone will not persuade you to become a Christian. You can only become a Christian by the Spirit of God working in your heart and making you born again. It's something supernatural. And here you can only effectively bring the gospel to people's lives by being caught up with the Holy Spirit, by being filled with the Spirit, by asking the Holy Spirit, who is it that you want me to share the gospel with? And not everybody that you share the gospel with will be a Christian. It will be a journey for them. It will be a day-to-day coffee, maybe over six months persuading them. I remember a Muslim man when we are in Leicester Square, dressed all nice as a Muslim, black guy with a beard. One of my friends, she worked with him for a whole year. He still didn't become a Christian, but she managed to get him to stop evangelizing for the Muslim faith and discouraged him just by conversation over a long period of time. What was that? It was the spirit in that lady, that persistence of the spirit that stopped that man from moving forward in evangelizing. And the only way that we're going to conquer other religions or other spirits that are blocking the gospel is by the spirit of God. Amen. By being caught up with the Holy Spirit and Philip was found in Azotos and he began to continue to preach and see people become Christians because he was caught up by the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you today to jump into the water, jump into the destiny for your life, jump and move forward with God. Take the leap of faith and start to move forward with God. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Something supernatural is happening today and we're going to pray and we're going to baptize these young people and some of the adults who who are members of the church as well. But let's bow our heads in prayer if the worship team come back. Maybe you're in this place today and you're not a Christian. Maybe today you don't have his forgiveness. And John was clear, he said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. It's a baptism of repentance, saying sorry to the Lord, but changing the direction of your life. Father, we pray right now that you change the course of our lives. We pray that we'll be more focused on the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is doing, not the Holy Spirit's agenda. We pray that heaven would truly be open in our lives. We'd see the Spirit of God descending upon our week. We would grab a hold of you like Hapazel and grab a hold and be caught up with you, Lord God. Like Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven and I saw paradise. I knew a man that was caught up to the third heaven. And I ask you in the name of Jesus that for us as a church, we would be caught up with you. We wouldn't be caught up 
with just knowledge, just intellect, and just persuasion. But we'll be caught up, merging persuasion and intellect with the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. That Paul said, I come to you not with the wisdom or the intellect of man, but I come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and power that your faith doesn't rest on man's wisdom, but on the power of God. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would release your spirit into our week and we would see people saved and we'd see people healed and we'd see people delivered and we'd see people set free in the name of Jesus. Every chain would be broken, Father God. That you would release an anointing of deliverance, Lord, and freedom because the gospel brings freedom to people's lives. And if there be an Ethiopian eunuch, be somebody who's sitting in their car or in a coffee shop who needs you, lead us directly to them to explain to lovingly explain, but with the conviction of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to ask you today, do you need Christ in your life? Do you need His forgiveness? I'm going to pray a prayer right now. And I want you to pray this prayer from your heart if you need His forgiveness. And I want to pray with you. And after that, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and respond to God. Because when you publicly respond, something significant happens. Say these words in your own heart after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit that I've not been living a holy life. I've not been living for you. But today I commit my life to you. Thank you, Lord, that you are the son of the living God. And you died to pay the price for my sins on the cross. And today I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior in Jesus' name. And I choose to follow you from this moment onwards. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Jesus, for accepting me. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, and you want His grace and His forgiveness, and saying, Christian, pray for me. I want Christ in my life. I need His forgiveness. Just lift your hand high right now, and I want to pray with you right across this place today. Lift your hand high. Say, yes, I need His forgiveness in my life. I prayed that prayer. I need His forgiveness. Lift your hand high right now, right across this place. Thank you. Thank you. Lift it high. When you lift it high, not just lift it to me, but lift it to God. Let God see your hand and say, yes, Lord, I'm serious. I want to move forward with you today. Lift it high right now in Jesus' name. And if you're in this place and you're saying, Christian, I've not been living for God. I've been in church for a while, but I've not been living the right life. I I want to recommit my life to Him. Just lift your hand high right now and I'll include you in this prayer today. Lift your hand high. Keep it lifted right now. Everyone who's lifted your hand, I want you to stand on your feet if you can. Everyone who's lifted your hand, there's quite a lot of people lifted your hand. Just stand up right now. We're going to pray together in a few moments. We're not going to call the baptism candidates out, but those who are in the congregation, just if you lifted your hand, just stand on your feet right now. Thank you, Lord. Right across this place. Keep standing. Keep standing. If you lifted your hand, just stand right now. Thank you, Lord. If we can just have some people from the church, some consolidators standing by members of the congregation. In a moment, we're going to pray and baptize the people who are getting baptized. But for the people of the congregation, we want to spend a few moments with you. Let's just bow our heads in prayer right now. I don't know if the worship team are around. Feel free to come and join us here on the platform. Let's pray, church, right now and put our hands forward to those people who who are standing. Father, I ask you that this wouldn't just be a prayer that they prayed in church, but Father God, I ask you today that something supernatural would happen in their hearts that they would be born again in Jesus' name. You take out the stony heart and give them a heart of flesh in Jesus' name. Father, I pray today that, Father, anything that's hindering them would be cut off in the name of Jesus. 
Every demonic spirit would be cut off in the name of Jesus. Every habit would be cut off in the name of Jesus. Every wrong association, wrong friendship would be cut off in the name of Jesus. Everything that's hindering would be gone right now and let them be free to move forward in their relationship with you. I pray for those who are not baptized that they'll learn what it means to be baptized and they'll follow through to get baptized in the coming months. In Jesus' name. I pray for those who are standing to get connected to a cell group. In Jesus' name. To get around good people who can teach them to move forward with you. In Jesus' name. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name.